Hello and welcome to episode 129 of In The Move podcast. I'm Callum Reid. And I'm Peter Shepard. And it's a happy new year from us. Indeed. Um, I'm raising the uh, can of red stripe to the microphone as we oh, speak. Oh, again. Red stripe. <laughs> it's only the one. The stuff of the devil. It's only the one. It'll be um, good for New Year's. I bet you had more than one on New Year's. Oh, New Year's was um, a heavy evening. It was a, it was an evening that could have made um, could have been a darts world champion at some point. <laughs> Speaking of darts, did you watch that? You know what? I hate darts. It's the one sport I don't like because I don't think it's a sport. Um, but um, I did uh, watch the quarterfinal uh, with um, uh, Van Barneveld. I watched a bit of Van. Ba- I saw a bit of Van Barneveld and uh, Taylor in the semi as well. So I didn't see the guy beating Van Gerwen. Okay, right. But I mean, if that guy's beat Van Gerwen and Taylor back to back, I mean, he deserves to win. Well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, no getting around it. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other news, non-film related? Non-film related. We have just um, spent. Uh, well, Peach just spent five minutes uh, explaining to me the inner workings of of what I do. Yeah, for a living. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> which I thought involved diamonds a lot more. Yeah, but the, yeah. The, it, it, it it does involve diamonds. But the, when I have to explain what it's used for, you, you don't really say the word diamond much. Because <laughs> I think my sister-in-law was asking me what you do, mm. and I was like, "Oh, it's something to do with diamonds." And then she was like, "Well, can you not like <laughs> ask him?" Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. Oh, oh, you want me to do it again now? Everyone will just turn off. No, no. <laughs> you turn into um, Lawrence Olivier in Marathon Man. Yes, yes. Oh God. Okay. Mm. This week's news. No film. Uh, non-film news. No, let's just get, let's just crack on. Okay, let's talk Mark Schultz um, because next week we're going to be watching Foxcatcher. Right. And this is the wrestler who is the subject of the film Foxcatcher. Can I just point out that I actually don't know the true story of Foxcatcher? Well, I'm not going to. It's not going to spoil yeah, okay. it. Okay, yeah. But I, I, all I saw, I saw something on my Facebook like suggestion feed that he was said he was going to take down Bennett Miller or something. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, in the film, there is a, a scene in which it's implied that he has sexual chemistry or some kind of homosexual undertones with another character. Well, yeah. Obviously, it's Ch- Channing Tatum's playing him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but the, the thing is, Schultz has been involved in the in the process, creative mm. process, and he saw, the scene, he saw the scene before and asked Miller to take it out. Right. Miller told him he was going to take it out, and he hasn't. Well, yeah, you can't... It's not a documentary. And at the end of the day, it's not a, it's not a propaganda piece for you either. Exactly, no, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, and... It's. I mean, I, I don't think. We'll, we'll obviously we'll see it next week, but it's not like they've made him a raging queen, is it? You know, it's not like <laughs> slander or anything. It's. It's not like he's just, just taking the phone off the wall and just beating Hayley Atwell with it. It's <laughs> a reference to Jimmy week. by my side last week, peeps. By the way, <laughs> I'm not just advocating. That was right. Spous- yeah, spousal, spousal abuse on that. Spousal, not, I'm not advocating spousal abuse on extremely um, good-looking um, English actresses. 
<laughs> Let's move on. Um, okay. Nominations. Producers Guild uh, nominations. How important are these, historically, do we think? Historically, uh, usually about three out of five. Um, well, it's for- ten. Oh, is it ten now? Oh, okay. Um, I think it used- has been eight, eight, seven or eight to ten. Since oh, I mean, since it's gone to ten, you mean? Well, well traditionally, when it, when you have five best picture nominations, um, uh, for, for, you usually have like an animated one or something big or something really um, commercial that didn't have much of a chance. Dark Knight obviously got yeah. nominated for or, this, or, and, and then you'd get like of the other four, you'd probably get, you'd get probably the majority of them, if not all. So yeah, and. I'm- there have been there haven't been ten. Well, there were ten once, and now it's been nine for a while. So, mm. the, the, I think they're pretty good uh, prognosticator, but they do tend to go more commercial. So, okay, firstly we've got American Sniper, which is possibly one of the on, only surprises here. Why is, is it? Cause it's not really caught on anywhere else. Um, it's been shown up here and there. Um, I think it was in the AFI top ten and. Um, NBR, but NBR is very Clint Eastwood anyway. Mm. Um, so this was this is not in people's top tens, put it that right. way. It's kind of loitering on the outside. And this is the Bradley Cooper. Um, it looks quite pro-war, but apparently it's a lot more grey than that. Mm. Um, but it looks like more of a jarhead kind of fury. Yes. Mm. Than something I don't know Iwo Jima. Um, secondly, we have Birdman, which we're going to mm. talk about later. Um, oh, can't wait for that. <laughs> we've already talked. We have already talked extent. about it on social media. Um, boy, uh, Boyhood. Yes. Foxcatcher, which we'll talk about next week. Which um, we were just talking about off screen. No, just now. Yeah. Yeah. It was mm. only two minutes ago. <laughs> Well, I get uh, confused with what we're actually keeping here. <laughs> Gone Girl, mm. Grand Budapest Hotel, which is interesting. Um, that's it, picking. That's picking a lot of attention. A lot more is. attention than I thought it was going to. Well, frankly. it does have. I think looking back, it does have quite a big interest from a Jewish Nazi mm. perspective, right? Which is quite a big thing for the Oscars there's quite a lot of Jewish people in the academy and it's it's on their side firmly yeah yeah um the imitation game Nightcrawler mmm what do you think about this I think I just think it's an interesting choice I think as a a film I think it's got flaws but I think it actually deals with a subject matter interestingly so, so I have a lot of time for it, even though I didn't love the film. I've got, a, yeah. I, I like that people. Uh, I think it's, so, sometimes when you see a film getting getting attention, you think, oh, why is like let's say the imitation game? What is there to get excited about with that film, really? No, uh, nothing. But, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, but at least with um, something like uh, Nightcrawler, I can see the reasoning behind uh, an intellectual uh, fascination behind it. Well, yeah, because it, we haven't really seen that story before. And I think, you know, that's that's what people are drawn to, you know. We haven't seen this world before, necessarily, especially not in this context. 
and the theory of everything, which yeah. we're going to talk about soon, and Whiplash, which is out in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, National Society of Film Critics have announced their winners. Won a guest best picture. Boy, heard. Nope. Goodbye to Language, which is the Jean-Luc Godard film. I know what it is. Which I have seen. <laughs> which narrowly beat Boyhood by one point um, on a second round of voting. So that is, I mean, National Society often picks a, a foreign or an obscure winner. So this isn't exactly a shock. I think they picked a more... Um, the tree of life as well so they seem to be getting more towards the foreign art house scheme whatever that's that's my sole comment on it okay best directors Richard Linklater and Boyhood um, which I think I mean it seems as if even if Boyhood doesn't win best picture Richard Linklater is in a really strong position because of that that story that is the type of a scenario where I could envision a best director split, but I, 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 uh, because of the achievement of the direction, yeah, uh, over everything else, um, but I can't see anything with enough of a groundswell. It's just it, there's no obvious pick. There's no obvious pick. No. Um. Yeah. So. Uh... If I was a betting man, purely on, on just coldly, and I wanted to make some money, because um, you wouldn't bet Boyhood because it's like really massively odds on. I think Foxcatcher would maybe be the one that you'd think. Well, what could sort of like get um, a decent enough rabid vote, rabid fan base behind it? Mm. I could. So I don't know, but I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, it is the one to be, just because of the like, complete lack of competition. Yeah, and we are going to talk about Birdman later, but Birdman mm. is one of the biggest competition it's got. So. Mm. Um, oh, it is, yeah. Best Documentary Season 4, which has been sweeping, that's the um, Ed- Edward Snowden documentary. Um, best Screenplay, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Best Cinematography, I like this pick, Mr. Turner. Yeah, that's a good shout. That is a good shout. That's not been he's not been picking up a lot of prizes for that, so that's good to see. Because um, I hope he can get into that lineup. Best actor Timothy Spall and Mr. Turner. Hmm. I think this might happen. I think he's got a shot at the um, because when you look at I mean even if Nightcrawler is strong, hmm. I think there's a, there's an older bias in the best actor yes uh, uh, definitely 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 I mean you can um, I think what is it Brody was 28 when he won and he was the youngest winner ever yeah at the, at the time is. he still is isn't he yeah I, I'm trying to think is anyone I mean that was the they're trying to say no I think yeah I don't think anyone the youngest won since I mean if it, even Franco was nominated Franco wasn't that you know Mm. I mean, he might have been 27, 28, but he wasn't that young when he was mm. nominated. Um, so, I mean, I think also the British thing, I mean, you can argue that Red Men's in there and Cumberbatch is in there, and they're British. Um, but at the same time, mm. I think Spall ha- 
is getting different. We'll get a different core vote from the British people. Yes. It'll be more of a British pick because less people probably see the film and probably know who he is. Yeah. Uh, Best actress Marion Cotillard for Two Days, One Night in The Immigrant. Mm -hmm. This is not a double. This is an after-the-fact job. It was for Two Days, One Night. Yeah. And that's 80 votes, and the nearest competitor is Julianne Moore with 35. That's ridiculous. There we go. I mean, that it's not even... That it's, A, not even close, and B, a complete landslide. That's ridiculous. What do you think about Marion Cotillard's chances of getting in? Uh, not based, based on the fact she's won New York and uh, Boston as well. Did she get uh, SAG noms? No. Did she get Globe noms? No. She might get BAFTA nominated. She's most, The thing is, if you're looking at it beforehand, where is a foreign language performance most likely to get nominated in terms of industry? It's BAFTA. Yeah. Always. It's actually, she's... Strangely enough, she's probably least likely to get nominated at the Golden Globes because they're such star whores. Uh, and, and traditionally, their record on foreign language is even worse than the Oscars. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Reva, Reva showed up... Uh, at the Oscars with only having a BAFTA nomination but yeah. they did love that film so yeah mm. uh, the, 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 oh, there's, there's no question I mean um, uh, Amour is going to have been much 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 more well received than Two Days One Night is in terms of the general uh, Oscar voting uh, heaps yeah best supporting actor J.K. Simmons in Whiplash which we will see soon yes and Patricia Arquette in Boyhood Mm. Uh, Rene Russo third there. Good, it's a good shout because oh, I've been doing my um, I'm, I've been doing my Oscar eligible list. I'm like seven films shy of it because I just got bored. It takes so long if you haven't kept it up during the year. <laughs> Rene Russo, I think I <coughs> love her to get nominated. I think that's a killer performance. I think it does a lot with a little. I think she's yeah. about my number five. But I mean, when you consider that. It's 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 again it's one of those you like the sort of performance you like to get uh, attention. Yeah. Okay. Um. So that's it for the news. I just wanted to quickly pimp a f- a book I've been reading. Yes, go for it. Called Pictures at a Revolution. It's by Mark Harris, mm-hmm. and it's basically about the nineteen sixty seven uh, films that were nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, it was an excellent year. Which were... Oh, can I guess? Can I, can I just try and pull... Yeah. The Graduate. The Graduate, yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Um, uh, in the Heat of the Night. Yes. Which guess one? Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah. And the one that you wouldn't get. The, uh, have I said The Graduate? Yeah. Yeah. It's the... uh, um, Oh, is it a musical? Yes. Um, Dr. Doolittle. Yes. Go shit! See, I used to be a geek. I know, I know how. Like now, whenever Cal says something like "What's going on, Oscar wise?" and I love it, or some film that like people online would have been talking about for a year because it's, and I'm like, "What is it? Who's in it? I don't know." It's that's willful from me now. I did used to be a raging geek when it came to this kind of thing. Well, this is why we know each other. Let's be yeah, honest from the exactly. Oscar Buzz um, mm. forums, but mm. yeah. So those are the five, and you look, Doctor Doolittle. My God, have you seen it? Uh, twenty minutes here and there, a couple of times when I was a lot uh, over when I was a teenager. Eh dear, I mean it looks great, but you know they spent enough money on it. Yeah, but well, um, 
but th- all these films have been I think he's picked this year because all the films have got a good story about how they came into being and um, mm. interesting overlaps with the facts you know like yeah. um, the people who turned one down for the other and and the double Poitiers yeah exactly yeah and um, the race relations in both and it's about kind of like 67 as a transition year for American cinema and um, the death oh, of the studio system. Yeah, I can see, that. Yeah, I like can see that. it. Yeah. So it's really interesting. But the best the best part is Rex Harrison's just... The on about Rex Harrison and Rachel Roberts just being a complete um, mess of a couple. Because she was... Um, they got married and she was depressed and suicidal and they were both alcoholics. And it's talking about Rex Harrison objecting to all the lyrics in Dr. Doolittle. I don't... <laughs> did, he, did he not object to the film? <laughs> it's a bit late. You, you should have had your agent object to it, son. <laughs> well, they fired him. Mm. And then the, and then he was like, oh, no, come on, hire me, hire me again. Really? So they hired him. Oh, dear. And it was going on about My Fair Lady and the fact he got paid 200000 and uh, Hepburn got a million. Well, yeah, no, we want to see him. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I would urge people to check it out along. Only about 150 pages in, but it's good. Mm. Mm. Okay. Preconceptions? Yeah, yeah, we can save red light for another time, even though it is technically the first week in the month. Uh, and we, we didn't pre- we didn't prep it unless you want to do it off off, off the cuff. We could push for next week. I haven't mm. really seen anything. Okay. Right. So this week we are doing the theory of everything. Conti Key, Dying of the Light, Enemy, and Birdman. Mm-hmm. So, what were your preconceptions for the theory of everything? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it looked um, quite bland. I thought it looked mm. um, standard mm. biopic, Betty. Yep. Um, yep. You know, the guy playing with a disability, it's been done a lot of times before. It's a very yeah. sympathetic character. It looked a little wet. Um, yeah. But I like Eddie Redmayne mm. and I love Felicity Jones. Mm. James Marsh, I thought he Man on Wire was really good and I got time for Shadow Dancer. So yeah. I, the, the actual people involved in it, I liked. I just thought the, um, the look of it was... Mm worryingly mm. wet and cheesy. Mm. Um, I sort of heard something beforehand about Hawking not having treated his wife particularly well. Okay. And so I thought, oh, that could be interesting. Um, but then you see the trailer for it and it does look straight down the line by a bit cheese. Um, so I was wondering how that was going to balance out. Um, Felicity Jones, like in general, no, I think she's she thinks she's fine. Uh, Redmayne, I think he's uh, can go. I think he, I think uh, I'm waiting for that one performance from him. I think's superb. But the, certain, I mean the um, the scene, the song after the barricades in Lame is, I thought he absolutely crushed. Um, yes, yeah. So I, I do think he's got some serious potential there. Um. But yes, so I, mean, I wasn't James Marsh. Um, I liked Man on Wire. I hated Red Riding in general, 
but his his one of the three was the only one I thought was wasn't bad. Uh, and I and I haven't seen so I, I don't think the man's capable of making a bad film even when he's got bad subject matter. So um, I, I was expecting it to I was expecting a three star film in all honesty. Okay. Uh, Contiki. I didn't see this, but obviously this is the um, the foreign language nominee. From, yeah. Yeah. I don't. Was it? I don't think it's last year, is it? Is I think it was last year. Yeah. No, I think it was last year. Um, I um, I knew it was about a voyage type exp- exploratory expedition on a boat, and that was about it. And I knew it was the foreign language submission from last year, um, and I remember that I. I had a look beforehand, and I didn't rec- and it didn't recognise anybody who was in it, so I, I didn't have any preconceptions in terms of the guys who made it or uh, the acting involved. But it's, is it Danish, uh, Norwegian, and but I remember it was a bit of a crowd pleaser on the on the circuit beforehand. Okay. So, so I was expecting something ep- epic. Okay. <laughs> Dying of the light. Dying of the Light, um, I knew it was directed by Paul Schrader, which is a plus, considering I loved the Canyons, and I mm-hmm. uh, really liked The Comfort of Strangers, which I saw recently, which was in Red Light. Um, and obviously, Guy wrote Taxi Driver, co-wrote Raging Bull. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a really big deal. Uh, he, If he hadn't been directing it, I wouldn't have gone to see it. Yes. Nicholas Cage is in it, which... Is I mean, take that what you will. You could, yeah. you could get anything. Yeah. And you usually do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It. Enemy... Did you, oh, sorry. Did you know anything about Diana? Noth- nothing about it. Okay. Nothing about it. Did you know anything about Enemy? Um, I think he plays twins. That mm. was a preconception. Mm. And um, Melanie LaRolle was in it. Mm. This wasn't anywhere near me, actually. Otherwise, I would have gone to see it. It was nowhere near me, but I knew it would have been online for a long time. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, this, I only found out he was playing Twins like literally just before I started to watch it, so it wasn't really a preconception. Um, I thought, just from the... It's a stupid preconception, but just from the old... It's a different poster on there now, but the old poster, I thought it, made, it just looked weird. Um, <laughs> oh, and Denis. Yeah, and Denis Villeneuve, it, I, I expected some... Something depressing and um, depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um, preconceptions for Birdman. Birdman, right? Um, Inyari two. Um, it's a seven out of ten filmmaker for me. Um, Amoris Peros, uh, Twenty One Grams, Babel, all on that level. I think he took a step down with Beautiful because I think he just I think he descended into Denis Villeneuve misery porn Absol- type. Absolutely agree. And so, uh, but knowing it was a comedy, knowing it was Michael Keaton playing uh, cast for being Michael Keaton because I knew it was about, about a guy who used to play a superhero. Um, I was uh, hopeful of that and an eclectic cast of um, name, a uh, bit more than India. No, my name American actors. Um, I was quite, I was quite really hopeful for it. And I knew the reviews were great. Um, in general, yes, unspecifically, but I knew in general that they, they were. So I was, I was having called the year a wasteland last week. I was hoping this was going to really um, be right at the top of it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I 
in year two, I probably lot not as high on him as you are. Because mm, um, of 21 grams. <laughs> yeah, well, 21 grams, I, I thought I get 21 grams of B minus, mm. Babel a B minus, mm. so, which is not bad. I mean, no. I, don't, I think the guy's fine. I didn't see him more as Peros, but I'm expecting that that's decent. Yeah, Echevarri is brilliant. It's excellent supporting actor performance in that. Yeah. Mm. Um. Uh, but beautiful, I agree. I think it was just wallowing and dull and long. Mm. Um, I think I walked out actually. Mm. Go on. Um, it's not a bad, not a bad but, shout, actually, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, the ghost things as well. I was wasn't over. Put it this way, I wasn't overjoyed that I stayed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, although I did think Bardem was really good, I can't really fault him in that. Yeah, I, I, um, I didn't buy this whole uh, world's finest actor at the peak of his powers type Sean Penness. Uh, of it all but um, I thought he's good I yeah. thought to be fair it's on, a bit in, sheer type in all honesty if I'm being I, I thought it was, Bardem was good but I did think he was going through the motions a bit right anyway Um. but yeah so I I didn't Not know I, I didn't know much about the story I mean I'd no. seen the trailer which is Weird and mental. But I'd only seen like the teaser of him like walking in his pants. Oh right, okay. And <laughs> some um, proper trailer. So, but I didn't really get from the trailer what it was actually about. So the story was a surprise to me. Hmm. Okay. Right. So, um, considering I'm doing Contiguing Enemy on my own, and I'm assuming you want me to do Birdman. Yeah. Take it away. Okay, this is the theory of everything, um, which is based on a true story, as they tell us. Really? Um, <laughs> and it starts with uh, Stephen Hawking and a girl called Jane uh, meeting. Wild. Is, is Wild. that what? That's the that... original name, yeah. Okay, Jane Wild. Um, they're at Oxford, and aren't they just? <laughs> They're at this swanky, lavish party at Oxford um, University. Where, which apparently Lona Scherfig came in and guest directed that scene. <laughs> Did she? <laughs> no, just with all the blues. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, God. It's very, yeah. Was, well, she just come off the riot club, hadn't she? So. <laughs> God. Um, so anyway, they meet at a party, fall in love. Um, he takes her to a wonderful ball where it's also very blue. Um, mm. And... They have this whirlwind romance, which is very short-lived because he falls suddenly one day, is uh, is admitted to hospital, and they find out that he has motor neuron disease, which is um, a disease that affects people's perceptions and movements and, and, and brain makes, functions. And makes random people throw ice buck- buckets over them themselves. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> It, yeah, I know that's the American term for it, isn't it? ALS, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the rest of the story is about their... It's not a biopic um, of no. sorts, really. It's more about their marriage um, yeah. and how that unfolds. And um, I think the, the tagline is something appropriately vomit-inducing. <laughs> All they needed was love or something like that. Um, oh, I thought so, you were going to yeah. say it was written in the stars. <laughs> 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 um, 
That would have been classic. <laughs> but he's not an astrologer. <laughs> he's just... a cosmologist. I'm a cosmologist, <laughs> damn it. Um, and taking, <clears throat> we've taken would, would, the piss Wouldn't it have been brilliant if Arnold Schwarzenegger was cast in this? What, what, what's your uh, dissertation going to be on, Stephen? Time! <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Um, and the red stripe's gone. <laughs> we can't. We can't take the piss out of this. No, <laughs> it's too. We can't take the piss out of this. <laughs> no. Well, you can. We <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with the fact that it isn't a biopic. Um, yeah. What do you make of their relationship in general, and how it's drawn, and how it unfolds? I think um, you can really tell that it's based on her book. Yeah. Um, and I think this is t- this. I think this is a biopic in the way that Bright Star was a biopic, except yeah. um, this is based far more. This is based far more in reality rather than because you've actually got her side of the story. Whereas in Bright Star, you had Jane Campion. You only had his letters to her, so they had to like make up her side of it. And I think um, with this, if you go into it. Not even necessarily thinking you know anything about Stephen Hawking, because most people, quite frankly, don't. No. But um, if you go in there just having just an expectation of a genius, like you don't really have ever given any thought to a, ch- a children or a relationship or, no. or, or, or any problems that that well, might would... bring, aside from the physical. I mean, if, if someone said to you, Stephen Hawking had a wife, you know, oh, that might that was probably difficult for her. But you wouldn't have thought in the specifics of, or emotional specifics of how. It would more be in the logistical, physical um, ones. Yeah, that, yeah, that's interesting. And, I mean, it's if you don't know much about Stephen Hawking, what he did in his life in mm. terms of achievements, you're not going to learn much anymore. No. It just does the brief history of time, and that's it. Yeah. And But I kind of like that. I find yes. this refreshing, and I think... It, this film's actually quite brave where yeah. I thought it was going to be safe I actually think it doesn't sugarcoat their relationship at all and no. I don't think it necessarily comes off on her side either no no I even think, though it's her book well I remember um, I saw something that um, Hawking's seen the film and he says it's broadly true <laughs> yeah 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 so I mean I think th- he said that to Redman yeah but I mean I don't really care if it's broadly true or not, frankly, as long as it's dramatically interesting. And I think this is dramatically interesting. But um, I think when you get to uh, the introduction of her going, let's just say her going to the choir, I think that I think that's when... <laughs> I think that's as when... As opposed to the orchestra. Yeah. Yeah, because I... <laughs> very, very briefly, about a year ago, I, I discovered that apparently Felicity Jones used to play in an orchestra with me when I was a kid, and I completely didn't recognize, I don't, didn't remember her at all. Um, so, even though my parents probably sold her sweets every week because they did the tuck shop. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I put on Twitter. That it wasn't that I, I, oh, I used to know her. I didn't think we didn't know her. It was like my parents used to sell her sweets. <laughs> so oh. when you get to the choir. Yeah, so when you get to the choir, I think um, that's when it gets into, even though it is probably all true, and, that's, and it, it, well, it is true because it's part of, the, 
part of the story. That's when it gets a little more trite and a little more less interesting. It's, uh, it's a bit obvious. Yeah, it, obvious where they're going with it, and but like if, the, if that if that's the story, you can't get around it. But yeah. um, and he was he was Charlie Cox who plays the. the he was guy. the guy, in, the lad in Stardust. Was he the main lad in Star Tristan in Stardust? Yeah, I thought he was really a wonderful presence in it, actually, and that character um, could have been played with a lot more. Very, very, yeah, yeah, very, very nice screen presence. Um, a very difficult role uh, to pitch. I think he, uh, I think he did it very well. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think... okay, okay. Let's just say okay. Just, just one word: Redmayne or Jones. Uh, I I don't think it's an easy Who's decision. Who's better? <laughs> I give the edge to Redman. Yeah, but I think they're both good and not not bad nominees. But though. in completely the opposite ways. It just depends. Yes. It depends yeah. on. It depends on. I mean, this is the, the. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you like Marion Cotillard in La Mom a lot more than I do. Yeah. Um, for for example, yeah. um, you I think in, I think it's not it's not just saying that one person's opinion or taste is better. It's just that we have different tastes. You respond more to physical performances than I do traditionally over the years. And Red Mains is a very physical performance. Yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously, given the, between, the choice between the two, I'm going to say I, I would say Jones because I think there's a, so much soul on there it is it is ridiculous. Yeah. I think there's a lot of soul in him, though, as well, even with the physical constraints. Mm. Mm. I, yeah, I, it's just... It is... I th- you're right, it is. They're, co- they're working in completely different ways, um, but they're together. It does work so well. Yeah. And at the end, I mean, I was an absolute mess. In this I was film. moved by the, his comment uh, in uh, at the end. It was well. It was when she said, "I have loved you," and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh right. <laughs> and then his reaction, I was like, "Absolutely bawling." No, I, it was when 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 they were um, watching the kids come towards them. That, uh, oh that yeah. Was, that, that, yeah. That, I found that moving. Yeah. But um, no, it's just it's um, it's just nice to see not what you expect in terms of the relationship. It's sort of like it isn't a romantic situation necessarily. I mean, the beginning is romantic. But yeah, not, they're going for picnic at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but it's like when when you're kind of young and you think, and you're that age and you think that you're going to fall in love with a person and it's going to be easy and you won't have to work hard at it and mm. things will come naturally and monogamy will come naturally. Mm. And I like that this film just does, says that that's completely out the window and you've mm. got to make it. It's tough to make a marriage work. Mm. But I, I think as well, given where the story goes, I think because for... For the whole of their like courtship um, scenes, I was just thinking, when's he gonna kiss her? When's he gonna kiss her? And then when they do the kiss, they do it in a the, in the most picnic of ways that they can. And then it's almost as if as soon as that happens, bang, and and suddenly that's just the rug is completely pulled out from underneath them. And yeah. and, and that's interesting as well because you don't they didn't even have time to savor the sort of the beginning. Mm. Mm. Um. Trying to think of any, it reminded me a little bit of creation. Um, I loved the score, but it was really effective and mm. beautiful. Um, I, I, I like the cinematography. I, I, you, you can either say it's, I mean, you could it's say with, with, with 
with all the filters, you could say it's a bit hackneyed, or you can say. Uh, but I think, I think the blues worked. Uh, the blueness of it worked, but I didn't think it was a consistent visual um, style throughout. No, I, th- I think if they'd have committed that a bit more, I think the- Felicity Jones should never do anything where she's not in sixties attire ever again because she looks great. Yeah. Uh. No, it was good. She she should have actually been the Carrie Mulligan character in Inside Lewin Davis. That might have been interesting. And an education. <laughs> Don't take that away from her. She'll have nothing left. She'll have a really bad rendition of a of a cat power <laughs> cover of a cat of a Frank Sinatra song. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I yeah, I liked. I, I don't know. I thought visually it was a bit, yeah, higgledy piggledy at times. Mm. But I do like the flashback thing at the end, the montage or whatever it is. Mm. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, David Thewlis. David Thewlis. Um, that is professor at Cambridge. Good. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I like the friend as well. Beginning. Yeah, he, he at the beginning. Yeah, I like his reaction to the news. Yeah, I think, I think that was good. And then the scene, and with him when he sees uh, Felicity in the pub. But, but before that, I mean, they just set him up as being such a. <laughs> just, I suppose he was <laughs> such a toff. Where he's like in the <laughs> pub, he's just been rowing with the boys, and he's in the pub in his cricket jumper, yeah. or probably ordering a pint of mild. <laughs> I mean, this is not your way to endear yourself to a character. <laughs> my, my, word, my word, James, let's have another run through. The spanking machine. <sighs> oh, I wonder if Henry Tubner was there. Oh, Henners. <laughs> Henners was front of the queue, dear. <laughs> Oh, um, I don't think this is a masterpiece, but I no. did, did really appreciate it, and I thought the acting was great. Uh, mm. B. I got the level of quality I was expecting, but not in the way I expected it. Um, six out of ten. Very decent film. Cool. Right, so, Contiki. Um, so, I watched this online. Uh, it was at my um, cin- uh, one of the cinemas, but I was there's no way I was getting back out last night. And um, I went to see if it was online, and uh, I saw the beginning, and it was in English. And I was thinking, uh, are they dubbed? Is this dubbed? But then I was looking at it, and um, I could see the, the guy was actually speaking in English. And so I thought, oh, I wonder if this is like subtitled later on. And it just carried on being in English. And after about 25 minutes, I thought, how the hell didn't this get thrown out? And then after about 40 minutes into the film, I suddenly clicked and thought, they've made two. Ver- they've made two versions of this. Oh. And it turns out, as they made the film, they shot each scene that they had dialogue in twice. Once in Norwegian and once in English. So I saw the English version. Okay. Is and, that Well, it's still a proper version, I guess. And ironically, because they've clearly made two versions, one for the international market, the only way this film's got shown in this country is because it was a foreign language uh, nominee, so they've shown the, the Norwegian version. Which is just stupid. This is Weinstein. Well, no, 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 no. It's the other way round. It's the other way round. Because the, 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 they've, they've obviously chosen to do this in production, which is all very well and good. But 
why couldn't you put this in Cineworld and have it in English and have nobody been put off by... Because I know people, very intelligent people uh, with um, with uh, pressure-filled jobs who, do, who say, I don't want to go... Uh, if I want to read a book, I'll stay at home and they don't watch subtitled films. And f- you know what? F- fair enough. To each their own. I'm not going to pour scorn over someone for that. Why not just release it? Why not just release it in English? You'll get a wider mm. audience. I mean, how pretentious is that? Oh, I've got to see the original Norwegian version. I don't. It's the same bloody film. It's the same there would, actors. Well, there would be people who would be upset if they only released the English version. Well, the art house crowd would probably rather see the. the well, sh- surely that's me. <laughs> surely I am the art house crowd. Now, don't yeah, me wrong, but you'd I, rather yeah. see the Norwegian version. Well, no, you? well, but the thing is. I you're talking to a person who uh, did I walk out of a uh, no I didn't go I only went and saw a subtitled version of Persepolis I didn't go and see a dubbed version of Persepolis but I think that's different because you've got different actors uh, so I don't want to have like um, Sean Penn or E Pop when I, <laughs> E Pop yeah I think E Pop's God in Persepolis or something. Um, yeah, that makes it different. But when you got the same actors, so I was thinking, if it's dubbed, oh well, it's if it's obviously that guy speaking, so obviously if like if they carry on with this, but you no, know, if it's the same actor, I mean, he's actually giving a different performance. You've actually kind of got to see both. I don't know. Anyway, mm. anyway, it wasn't really a digression because we were talking about the film. So um, Contiki um, starts in Polynesia in the nineteen thirties. We see uh, an explorer, much explore- like Doctor Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> It's an explorer who's... Uh, oh, that's his parrot, sorry. <laughs> he's on the island, and uh, everybody thinks that Polynesia at the time has been um, uh, settled from the west, so from India. And uh, when he's t- talking to the locals, and he says, uh, w- uh, tell me the story about God again, Tiki being God, uh, they say that Tiki came from the east, uh, because all the currents come from the east, blah, blah, blah. His wife had said, oh, we must be really hard for them all to... Um, um, uh, row over the over the Atlantic against the current because she was just trying to do it in, while they were out in the bay, and so he gets the idea that they were, weren't actually they were actually settled from the east and they were settled from uh, Peru. So he spends ten years staying out on the island, coming up with his thesis, getting some um, uh, evidence to back it up, and then he goes to get, he can't get his um, uh, theory uh, published by anybody. Uh, the uh, the last guy that he goes to see says, "How can you expect anyone to believe that? Given uh, just uh, that they were just getting a raft in Peru and float over, uh, he gets the bright idea to literally do that in order to prove his theory is possible. So he's on a suicide mission, uh, much like um, Kev Spacey and Gabriel Byrne back in 1995, whacking the boat with uh, Del Toro and the boys." <laughs> <laughs> So they basically they they uh, they get they're going to just get used all the uh, equipment uh, that would have been available fifteen hundred years before because they can't use modern stuff because that will just like because people will just say well you're using modern equipment and that's why you were able to do it so they they're not going to have they're not going to be able to have uh, any safety and they're just going to drift and die if they uh, went into any trouble the coast guard will not be able to get there in time um, so that's the setup of the film. That's the uh, that's the uh, and this this was in uh, just after the the Second World War when they true story of when they actually did this and mm. uh, turns out uh, they took a camera along with them and that fi- film they took a camera along with uh, won an, won an Oscar back in 1951. Wow! 
So I want like to see documentary. I, I, or... Yeah, I, yeah, docu- yeah I, I'm not even sure if they had a formalised category. Then it might be like Rashomon won uh, a special Academy Award for, it, and then they created the foreign language afterwards. It might be something like that. I haven't uh, researched that, but um, no, I can see why this uh, got nominated. Um, it's it's a very commercial film. It's I mean it's the sort of we see we see films like this. You, you, uh, people stranded or. Uh, uh, like like your life of pies, like your lost, it's, uh, all is lost. Like yeah. gra- um, it's it's a it's a familiar genre. Um, the uh, character is with his when you when you think whenever you have a character with like blind faith in their ideas, it's um, quite admirable because especially when you, people when people point scorn, it doesn't even really matter if they're right or not. Um, as long as they're, they're uh, the well, like into the wild. Well, no, 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 because no, there's no idea in that. He's just a twat um, <laughs> with a death wish. <laughs> this guy's actually got a point behind what he's doing, and he's trying to prove himself right um, in the most desperate of ways. Um, and uh, where I think the only real, real, real area where I think the film doesn't succeed is uh, they got the five of them out there. They know uh, that. Um, if he's wrong, they're group. They're just going to um, uh, drift and drift and drift and um, die. Eventually, they'll if they don't hit land, they're going to run out of food. Mm. Uh, and they have one guy who's like the number two in charge, um, questioning them all the time. He'd been told by some sailors in New York that the that the logs going to rub together and then eventually break the um, uh, twining and they'll, they'll drown. So he's like getting paranoid about that. He starts uh, disobeying orders. Like a whale um, uh, turns up near them. And they're all like, leave it, leave it, leave it. And he just grabs a harpoon and chucks it at them, and it causes them um, some problems. And and it tu- and uh, it turns out all of this stuff is just stuff that the screen they've added in to try and make it more dramatic. Oh. Uh, and that's the worst thing in the film, it, the, the, because why on earth would you follow a bloke on this sort of borderline suicide mission if you didn't believe him? Why? Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense. So, um, it's a bit of a United 93 situation there, where they've um, uh, just made one guy out to be the coward. <laughs> and I feel for that guy's relatives, actually, <laughs> frankly. Oh, because, yeah. uh, because you are dealing with real people here. Um, uh, but it's a minor quibble, really, because this is a beautifully shot film. Uh, I think it's uh, edited well uh, because it's about two hours and it doesn't really feel it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily predictable uh, because if you don't know anything about the story, then when someone goes overboard, they might die. You don't know. If you if you don't know the actual story, then it then it is unpredictable. And um, it also it doesn't compartmentalize everything. You know how in tracks. When she's halfway through the journey, you're halfway through the film. When she's three quarters of the way yeah. through the journey, you're three quarters. It's not like that at all here. It doesn't try to pad out the journey evenly with problems. It has a, it has a, a very specific thing at the beginning, which is going to be a major issue as to whether the whole thing is a success or a failure. And then once that is resolved one way or the other, then you're actually quite near the end of the film. And it's not not that much too. Not not not. not then they'll they skip over a, a long period of time. Um, 
So I think that that's part of the reason why it's um, uh, so uh, quite well made and it doesn't feel as long as it is because they don't try and shoehorn in too many, um, apart, from, apart from the character base, they don't try and shoehorn in too many um, uh, literal physical problems for them all um, outside of it. Like, and, yeah, like mm, gravity. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's very well acted, a, a good ensemble, the, all five guys good. Uh, the main guy is very impressive, very impressive performance. Charming, cra- ch- crazy charming in his way, but then you can see, uh, you can see like when they're going off, they're all on their suits because <laughs> all the Peruvians think it's great that they're going to like try and like say that the Peru discovered the Polynesia, uh, and he's got the fake smile on it, and um, you can see that you can see that it's a fake smile, that it, and that when no one's looking, you can see the uh, not necessarily doubts, but the anxiety over that this is there's no coming back from this, uh, that he, this what he's committed to. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting film, interesting topic. It's well made, it's well acted, and uh, it's well worth a look, well worth a look in whatever language you choose to see it in. Okay, um, great. Eight out of ten. Wow, and this is is this two thousand thirteen? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, on to dying of the light. Mm. That's dying of the light, not <laughs> cinema. Uh, <laughs> This is uh, stars Nicolas Cage as a veteran CIA operative who learns that his old. Terrorist... I thought Taken Three was next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Don't remind me. Um, he's a veteran CIA operative who learns that his old terrorist nemesis, uh, who tortured him in the days of the first Gulf War may still be alive uh, because somebody's been seeking a rare treatment for blood disease that this guy has. Um, was was, th- th- was this while Maya Parrish was coming around on, on evenings <laughs> trying to sell you blow pops? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, if only Maya Parrish was in this film. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no one's <laughs> going to get that. <laughs> midnight Sun people, look it up. Mm. Um, meanwhile, Nicolas Cage also has a disease, as he's recently been diagnosed with an aggressive form of dementia, and is becoming increasingly erratic. <laughs> really? Why did they cast Nick Cage? <laughs> For the increasingly erratic character. Oh, God. With the help of um, Anton Yelchin, mm. who's a younger officer at the CIA, and with the help of Nick Cage's long-lost flame, Irene Jacob... Oh my god. <laughs> he attempts to locate the terrorist and bring him to justice for his past crimes. Hmm. Hmm. And it's not a good film. Really? It's, it's not <laughs> you, an awful you shock me, Cal. <laughs> it's not an awful film. But there's a story behind the film. Right. Um, so this was it was taken away from Paul Schrader in post production. Yes. And re-edited by the producers. Right. So, Sh- Schrader posted this on his Facebook page, which I've learned after seeing the film. Mm. Well, during the film. Yeah. We lost the battle. Dying of the Light, a film I wrote and directed, was taken away from me, re-edited, scored and mixed without my input. Yesterday, Lionsgate released the poster and trailer. Alongside this announcement, Schrader posted photos of himself, Nick Cage, Anton Yelchin, 
and Nicholas Vinding Refn, who I think may have produced it or had some hand in it, mm. wearing black T-shirts printed with the terms of the non-disparagement clause they had signed with the film's production company. Oh, so they couldn't like say, no, don't watch this. <laughs> they can't because then they get sued. Yeah. So. Mm. Non-disparagement clause. I know. Isn't that what a load of bullshit that is? God, so I you should... can take a film off somebody and then they can't say anything about it. They don't want a Tony they don't want Tony K taking out an advert. Mm. Um film's been cut from two hours to ninety three minutes. Oof. And I don't exactly think you can tell. Really? Because I think what they've done is they've kept the basic story in They just streamlined it. Yeah, they just streamlined it around this one story. And what I think is that there's obviously some asides with the characters, probably more Irene Jacob. Mm. Um, maybe some backstory. Because the bare bones are still in place, but it's just as if it's just going through the motions of yeah. this terrorist, finding this terrorist and a showdown at the end, and there's not much else going on there. It's just kind of... It's a bit like watching a glorified episode of Homeland. Yeah. Like not probably not even as good. I mean, it's perfectly watchable, I'd mm. say, and there's you know, and Cage is appropriately goofy. Um, <laughs> Anton Yelchin doesn't have much to do, and does what he does do doesn't do very well. Mm. I feel like only lovers left alive. <laughs> yeah, Irene Jacob is pretty good in this. As you would expect. Mm. Um, but it doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't really dig into the crux of the Gulf War or the current war on terror in a way that a most wanted man did. Yeah, I was just thinking of most wanted man when you were saying about how uh, it just goes for the terrorist subplot. And I was thinking how that sort of fleshes it out by having like two or three or four subplots which will tie back yeah, in. Willem Dafoe and um, Robin Wright and. There was a whole infrastructure there that I think this film's missing, but that might be because of the editing. Mm. And, I mean, maybe a most wanted man would feel like a homeland, you know... Um, if you took out Nina Hoss. If you took out half an hour. Yeah. You know? Mm. So it just goes to show what... Or if you, t- or if you took out um, Herbert Grunemeyer's brilliant score and you added in some sort of, like, cheesy hands him over the top thing yeah yeah and I don't think Schrader's direction of this is particularly inspired anywhere the what is it in it mm. um, it's quite bland it's quite flat but then it's probably a lot well not a lot uh, lower budget than the most one man but I think it'd be lower budget than that oh yeah um but I mean, it is watchable, so I I don't think I think it's like on the low end, but I don't think it's I'm going to be generous mm. because of the situation. C plus, no C. Nah, and not that generous. That's harsh for you, C. <laughs> but there's there's a Houston problem with Cage. I saw the, I saw the chapeau. <laughs> I had to take a picture because it was just classic. Sat on a bench. Oh dear. And um, general Hathaway problems for Cage as well. Mm. He also has a chunk cut out of his ear for no seeming reason. Grace. Mm. Yeah, C for Dying of the Light. Avoid. 
Let's hope for director's cut. Although mm. probably not going to get it. Mm. Right. Mm. Should we get on to Denis? Yeah. We've already ended on a blondie once, haven't we? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Right. So, enemy is a film. It begins with Jake Gyllenhaal, who's a lecturer at a college. He uh, has a very repetitive job. He goes and does the same lecture every day to just the different kids. Not to the same kids, obviously. To different kids. <laughs> uh, he comes home uh, and uh, Melanie Laurent comes around for sex and then goes. Um, isn't that life's dream? And uh, then he goes back to work and rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. That's his, um, that's his thing. That's his uh, routine. Yeah, that's his routine. One day in the break room at school, uh, one of his colleagues starts asking if he likes films. He says, not really. And then uh, the conversation just stalls. And then Jake says, why was the one you wanted to say? Have you seen one recently or did you want to recommend something? And uh, he says, yes, actually, um, well, there was this one um, one film, um, Where There's a Will, There's a Way. It's a local film. I rented it. So Jake goes to the local video shop, rents it, takes it home, watches it. He watches the, he watches it rather than having sex with Melanie in the wrong. That's the first <laughs> problem with the film. Um, he says, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be back after I've watched this marking, then this marking, and then he proceeds to watch the film instead. Um so he then has a dream about the film, remembering the, like a scene from the film that he's seen. And he goes back and looks at it again and finds that there is someone who looks just like him in the scene. So he looks at this bloke, not on IMDb, obviously they didn't have the money to pay for it. <laughs> he look, looks, <laughs> looks, looks him up online. Um, and um, uh, the shenanigans ensue. And he's the enemy. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Okay. So how's Jake? Because um, some rabbit has occurred in quarters. I wouldn't go... Well, it's not a showy role, even though it's... Uh, Jeremy Irons and Dead Ringers. Yeah. It gets us a little too Jeremy Irons and Dead Ringers, actually, at the end. Um plot wise um, it's not it's not showing in that respect in that the characters aren't um, big and over the top too much um, he uh, they've both got these massive beards so it is difficult to tell them apart but uh, that is the point at the end of the day I think Garrett's lucky then yeah <laughs> but um so uh, when you when you get introduced to the uh, actor who is the other the other Jake, um, he's uh, got he- heavily preggers. Sarah Gadon is his uh, bird, and um, there are there are differences in personality between the two. They they try and meet, and um, uh, things go sour. Uh, don't go brilliantly when they do. Jake sort of, Jake's more frightened by it than he is initially intrigued, and then when he actually meets the guy, he, he ends up being frightened. Then the other guy starts um, uh, be pushing himself into his life a bit more, unfortunately, in the most Jeremy Irons and Deborah's of ways, uh, which is just dull and uninteresting and obvious. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's why go there? It's not interesting. And then the final shot of the film 
makes you reevaluate things. Uh, because it's uh, see, it's not well. It's not. It's I said, but I've seen little things on it since I've finished it. Talking about describing it's unintelligible or shocking or random or this sort of thing, and I just think. Because, yeah, I can sort of see the point. I, it, it, given the way that that last shot is, it is it is Cronenberg, uh, yeah. not in a non Dead Ringers way. It's it's like naked lunch Cronenberg. Um, and then when you think about it, you go, okay, yeah, they, because the, 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 his character was talking about this, and then you got that imagery all the way through, and blah 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 blah. But it doesn't make it any more interesting. You just think, oh, I can see why they did that. Yeah, it's still not good. <laughs> that was my, that was my that was my. I, I, it just left me very flat. And um, but I, thoughtful at the end when you weren't expecting. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it did make me reevaluate what I'd just seen, but in the way that the twist in Fight Club does, and you go, oh, it, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, he was standing on the stairs. Yeah, he having the conversation. Okay, fine. Yeah, I get it. Um, didn't necessarily make it great. Doesn't necessarily make it. But, but, or it doesn't make it any that much better just because you sort of like go and have a think about what you've just seen for another 30 seconds to, because they've made you have a different take on it yeah I don't know I, I can see some people seeing the end and thinking oh wow oh wow 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 that's crazy but no <laughs> I think it's because it had lost me before as soon as you see whenever you're a twin thing and it get, you have anything to do with like uh, partner swapping or anything like that it lost me there, frankly. And uh, you've and, seen it before. Yeah, it's, it's and, done and a lot it, before. yeah, and it's got this horrendous uh, score all the way through with just dissonant music. It's like the worst of the beginning of Shutter Island, um, mm. with the sound design. And um, I think um, Laurent has nothing to do but just uh, ride Jake occasionally. Um, Gadon. Um, and I don't think she's a particularly great actress to begin with, and she has very little to do here other than just look wide-eyed and confused. Um, so it is the Jake show. Jake's fine. Uh, yeah. uh, he anchors it well. Um, I would say that. So for long periods, it's when well, for long periods when Jake's doing something, it's interesting enough. But there's so many long, so many periods where nothing's happening, and they've got that dirge of music in the background, and then given the end it then tries to flip it on its head and it doesn't do it in an interesting enough way to merit it so uh, I think being kind I'd give this 4 out of 10 Oof. being kind that's as kind as I can be I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an average film I think it, it is a poor film but um, I don't think it's completely without merit I don't think it doesn't have a reason to exist I just think they didn't do it very well on many levels. Okay. Mm. Not the biggest fan of Denis. No. No. Okay. Let's get on to the film of the week. The um, awards chasing Birdman. What's the other title? Or the... Th the Unexpected the Virtue of Ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So the setup. I'm going to try and be very fair. A Birdman is that Michael Keaton is playing uh, an actor who used to play a superhero 20 years before 
in a wildly successful Hollywood superhero franchise. In the current day, he uh, is putting on a perform. Is uh, writing, written, directed, and starring in uh, an adaptation of a Raymond Carver play. Uh, yeah. On the day uh, that the first preview is supposed to start, um, uh, a an accident happens to one of his actors, which he claims that he's actually made happen because. Uh, but uh, the first shot of the film is him levitating Hugh Jackman style uh, in his uh, room, dressing room, and they need to uh, bring in a, a new actor. That's Ed Ed Norton, who's having a relationship with Naomi Watts, who's playing one of the other actresses in there. So he already knows the lines because he's been rehearsing it with them. And he, he's a big shot um, uh, who's going to sell a lot of tickets. So they've got to put up with him. And uh, the film then uh, mines the. Uh, Increasing tensions that are brought yeah. to everybody involved. Yeah, and madness. Yeah. And, it, and it's sort of like, it's sort of like the longer it went on, because I didn't know it was all going to be set in the theatre. Pretty much, I didn't know it was going to have this quite insular feel to it. Mm. So it kept the longer it went on, the more Black Swan vibe I was getting. Mm. And it's sort of like, it's just because it's it's a bit like somebody where Black Swan's a lot about the woman and a lot about um, the pressures of being a, a woman and young and succeeding while you're young because mm. um, careers for women aren't as fruitful for as long. In the arts, yeah. Yeah. Um, Birdman's sort of like the opposite. It's about this guy who's older and... Um, Worried that he's going to become no longer relevant, mm. which which you can say is more of a first world problem because in the film I don't think the women are treated particularly well. Obviously, what, but um, not not by the screenwriter either. No, but as as a kind of male deviant on deviance on Black Swan, I found that quite interesting. Mm. But yeah, it is misogynist. Mm. There's, there's very, no, there, there's very little getting around that. I think, I think, in terms of as an essay on fame and popularity, I don't think this says anything relevant or interesting that hasn't been said a thousand times before. Um, yeah. It's a very by on the, the nose, on the nose by the numbers in terms of his character's motivation and what's going on. Where where it does try to be different is that you've got the uh, character of Birdman who's uh, basically he's got a psychosis so the character of Birdman is talking to him throughout uh, which is moderately interesting because you've got a character who's you've basically got someone who basically believes that he is the character that he used to play yeah that's a bit more interesting and, and I think that um, that carries enough interest for the bulk of the film um because they're pretty. Um, the longer it goes, the more clear cut they are. That um, it's uh, it's all in Keaton's mind. Because you you'll see uh, a scene of him in his dressing room, uh, pointing at stuff. He's been pointing at stuff randomly and turning like t- t- turning out lights and all that sort of stuff. And uh, he's, he's having a tantrum and he's like trashing the room just by by waving an arm and then things <laughs> randomly move. And then as soon as somebody comes into the room, you see him physically doing it. Yeah. 
and uh, or there's a scene where he think uh, you see him jump off the building and he's flying, 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 and he ends up at the uh, uh, theatre. And then the second after he, he steps foot on the pavement, you've got the taxi driver chasing him for the money. So it's very the longer it goes, the clearer they are that that, that while the, the, they've shown what they've just shown you is is in his mind what is physically happening is something different. Yeah. The problem then is that the last film, last shot of the film, craps all over that. <laughs> yeah, the last shot of the film implies fantasy. Um, when basically it had been implied that it was about the mental capacity mm. of the leading character. I think if you, I, I, I don't mm. think it's an, I don't think it's as huge a deal as you think, though. I think it's, a, I think it just craps all over. It. And I think if they'd have just ended it on stage. I think it was obvious that they're going that way for about 20, 20 25 minutes before. There's still an okay way to end it, even if it, even if it was really obvious. But yeah. then, when you sort of like try and bring that a whole level of ambiguity, what does the ambiguity bring? It brings nothing. It doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it any more interesting. If you're going to have a conversation about whether the last scene is real or not. Or whether the, it's just what is the point? It's just posturing. It's just, um, it's just solely solely there to create a debate about what, whether it's real or not. What? Who cares? Who cares? And all it does then is bring into question, like, oh well, what about all the fantasy sequences that have happened before? Well, who cares? It just is. If that is that all you've got to make your film interesting? You've got it. You've had the film. It was okay, but then you've got to add that last scene, which then's got to make again. It kind of, unlike so unlike the um, enemy, I've, you've then got to go through all of it again, uh, and all it does is muddy the water. It doesn't. Uh, that's why I, I agree. Had to. I agree with you. I just didn't find this fantasy elements of it particularly interesting to begin with. Mm. So that wasn't a big thing for me. Mm. It was mainly. I quite like that it was... I like the direction in terms of visually. I like the way that it manoeuvres around the place all the time. Right. And keeps going and the kinetic kind of energy of that. And it's sort of like a window in the crazy world of theatre. And I think the the cast... I think Edward Norton is brilliant. And when he he left, I was like... I was like upset that he wasn't there because he's not there in much the second half but I just thought he was a breath of fresh air no I think this is the problem well one of the one of the many problems with the film that um, all these subplots are chronically underwritten or dropped or skated over Um, the subplot with him and uh, Emma Stone I thought was just horrendously um, uh, skated over and just tacked on every now and again um, the culmination of, of like him and him and Naomi Watts' relationship is is again ditto. Uh, Keaton and uh, Riseborough's one is a little bit better, but then where they go with Riseborough and Watts is just horrendous. It's just the lamest, sex, most sexist, pathetic. And then then that they don't even go nowhere. Yeah, and then that they don't go go with anywhere with it afterwards is even worse. So if you get gonna... what about Amy Ryan? Brilliant, brilliant. Best be, breath of fresh air. Best part of the film for me. Just added some soul where where it sorely needed it. Um, ground brought the film back and grounded it um, when it needed to. But what what I would say with the direction is that it it felt like a technical exercise to stop Inuritu getting bored, rather than and I think in the process it kills a lot of the comedy. I think it doesn't help the tone. Uh, 
at all, and it makes. I mean, there are funny moments. I mean, there, there, there are funny scenes. I think the fight between um, Norton and um, uh, Keaton was very funny. Yeah, but then when you like when it follows them back to um, uh, uh, when it follows Riseboro and Watts back and Watts goes why why haven't I got any self respect and Watts just goes oh honey you're an actress it's a funny line but because of the style where you've just been you're just concentrating on where's he moving the camera to now oh where's he going to hide the cut next it's all very um, technique first so it takes you out of the uh, the the or took me out of the correct tone in order to really get engaged with the um, uh, potential characters. comedy. Well, yeah, and the characters are wrong, yeah. Yeah. I don't Ke- know. What, what did you think about Emma Stone? Cause, well, I thought, actually, Keaton, I thought Keaton was great. Mm. Um, I, think he was, I think he was good, yeah, yeah. In, uh, terms of, in terms of the Oscar lineup or whatever, Red Main, Cumberbatch, I would vote for him ahead of them. Mm. Um yeah, I think I think he's slightly. Yeah, I think he's a bit better than uh, Redmayne. I think they're both a deal better than Cumberbatch. Yeah, and I, I thought Stone was good. I although I think there were real problems with that character. I really uh, the thing is I think it's a direction thing and I think it's a style thing. When she has the scene where she tells off um, uh, Keaton, she just uh, she just looks like she's in an Amy Adams uh, p- painting, and. <laughs> <laughs> That's, what do you mean? Just it's just all about the huge eyes, and that's it. And um, there's no. There's, <laughs> she did have huge eyes. There's yeah. no emotion on it, and um, I think she's. I think she's okay. Uh, I think she's. I think she's okay, but I think she's underserved by the style and the writing. Mm. The main issue I have it is have with it is the writing um, mm. of the women and uh, of the commentary on Hollywood. Mm. Um, the fantasy thing I can take or leave I mm. do think the acting's good and mm. the um, the window into theatre is good I didn't like Lindsay Duncan's no. character I thought she was fine but what they did with that is just the anti-critic sentiment I didn't like mm. I think that's critics are not like that no and it's ki- it kind of made um, it made where they're going with it more red flagged I think that that's what where I said it like, last like twenty minutes or so it gets more the obvious. Gets more obvious where they're going to go with it. Yeah. But I I my Joe wrote rant of the week. I just don't understand why they didn't end it on stage. If they ended it on stage, it would it would remove so many negatives from this film. I, I dropped not... I dropped it by two stars, two whole stars. Yeah, uh, I think. I I didn't want them to end it on this stage because I didn't want it to be up in the air. Well, I don't think it's up in the air. I think if you end it on the stage with Duncan walking out, you know exactly what's happened and what's going to happen. Hmm. But is that too much of a downer? I don't know. They, they could easily... Have, I don't think there was anything wrong with the last scene until the final shot. I mean, mm. you know... I think they could have. I thought it was quite funny as well, yeah, and with her doing the tweets and everything. What did you think about the so- social comment on social media in this film? Not great. Yeah. Um, that it's think... it's power. That is power. <laughs> yeah, I, it is. It is real. It's not. I wouldn't say realistic, but it is believable that he would, if that happened you would get 
videos, it would go viral. If yes. a celebrity was walking in the pants in the middle of Times Square, of course it would go viral. Yeah. But, um, uh, I don't know. I like the idea of him getting locked out. I thought yeah. that was good. And the idea of him having to improvise. Mm. But, mm. Mm. Great then. B. Mm. Is it four? Well, it was six out of ten before the, before the last scene, and now it's two. I, oh. I think it completely. I think it's a one star film now. I think it's got no point. I think it just ruins the whole everything of it. And it, the only reason it's not one out of ten is because there's good some good acting on show. But I think it's just completely taken away the reason for all the good acting. So I've got no time for this film at all now. <laughs> but apparently, I had about ten minutes just now to talk about it. Ouch. Okay. I thought it, it was decent. So do, do you want to talk about the? Um, I don't think this has any chance of winning Best Picture. No. Just because it's it's too out there. Yep. So is it Boyhood all the way? Uh, I think the only, this is why I was saying earlier. I think if if you're gonna pick something to upset it, I think the Imitation Game's too bland and you won't have enough passion behind it. So that's why I think if anything, it's more likely to be something like Foxcatcher. Mm. But I doubt it, highly. Okay. I think it's Boyhood all the way. We'll see. Mm. I think it's lucked out that it's been... that the year uh, for Prestige American yeah. has, has fallen the way that it has. Yeah. I think people, there's a lot of sentiment towards anti-Prestige in general among critics, and I think that's really... I mean, if you did have a King's Speech... I don't know. If we didn't have a King's Speech, maybe the Imitation Game would be more favourably looked upon. Mm, possibly. Um, by critics. But, but also, what... You, what people don't seem to remember is that just because the critical darling tended to win in the late 2000s doesn't mean that was always the case. In fact, beforehand, it was the opposite. Because I think it's something like 2004, Sideways was the critical darling. Yeah. Um, in, two, in 2002, it wasn't the pianist sweeping everywhere. It was no. far, well, from, even, far from I mean, he, far from heaven. Won won a couple of the major ones. Um, yeah. Lord of the Rings. I mean, Lord of the Rings was obviously critical. Everyone loved it, but I think mm. Lost in Translation took stuff. American Splendor took stuff away from. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. So it wasn't a, as much of a critical thing as just a kind of. Yeah, two thousand. It was traffic mainly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so two thousand one, I think, was all over the shop. Um, and then recently, I mean, Argo wasn't the critical favourite. No, but it was really, it was really weird. No, no country was the exception, really. And then um, from there, you had um, Hurt Locker was, and that Slum, Hurt Slum Dog was, out. Slim Dog was, Hurt Locker was, and then Hurt uh, Locker had no. Um, no prestige again. Avatar and Glorious Bastards. That was the yeah. That that's how it happens. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, we talk briefly about films about the theater. Crater will rock. Crater will rock. I really. Is that Tim Robbins? Yeah, I really like that film. Um, Ninety nine, impeccable ensemble cast, especially the women. 
uh, Cherry Jones is brilliant in it. Red Nose is in it as well. She's fantastic too. Um, em- em- Emily Watson. Yeah, it's just uh, it's uh, and that has Tim Robbins really aping Altman at the beginning with the long shots. With the first shot of the film is um, Watson. She's been asleep behind the uh, cinema uh, screen. And then she goes out the cinema, up the stairs, into the street, and then uh, the camera goes up the w- up and through Tim Robbins' window. Um, I want to mention opening night, uh. which is Cassavetes, mm. Jenna Rollins being awesome as an alcoholic actress. Mm. After the rehearsal, Lena Olin, or oh, that might be TV. Yeah. Is Ingrid, yeah, I think it is, isn't it? Is uh. it Ingrid Chulin? Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, Josephson, Ellen Josephson. What's that about exactly? Is it? It's like um, it's it's a what happens after the rehearsal, (laughs) group group of factors. Fanny on Forty Second Street. Amazing, that was going to be my next one. Brooke Smith and Julianne owning uh, life, being brilliant, and it's it's really excellent, and it makes you want to see the the actual play, which is Uncle Vanya. And the end, the end is heartbreaking. Mm. Mm. And it's like they're in. It's weird because they're in nineties, like terrible denim, and yeah. <laughs> they're doing this Russian period play. <laughs> uh, I was expecting you to mention Stage Door, actually. It's on my list. Uh. <laughs> which is just awesome. Well, Ginger Rogers and Catherine Hepburn mm. both brilliant in it. But and it's um, is it? It's not Gregory the Carver, I think. Mm. Did it? The best one for me though is the Last Metro, um, Truffaut's penultimate uh, film. Yeah. Catherine Deneuve and um, Gerard Depardieu at the height of their powers, uh, um, with a uh, the baitiest possible subtext. It's, it's, it's uh, the Jewish director of the play uh, is Deneuve's husband, and he's it's still everyone thinks he's left. He's still in the basement, and he's directing the play from the basement through Deneuve, but even the actors don't know that he's still there. <laughs> I wonder if Tarantino saw that one. Mm. Well, it'll probably be the plot of his next film. <laughs> Did you know Truffaut was very, very close to directing Bonnie and Clyde? No. Yeah. That's interesting. And Goddard. They actually said no to Goddard. Well, everybody. Well, the national, <laughs> national sadly didn't. <laughs> We're ending okay. on the national. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shag Mario Kill. You've got loads this week. So. A national, all the wine because I'm on the red stripe as well. <laughs> um, so, what did you say then? Shag Mario Kill. Shag Mario Kill. Right. Um, shag, as in watch again right now. I would watch The Theory of Everything because I this week I wouldn't mind shagging Felicity Jones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> watch Every Weekend for the Rest of My Life, Contiki, and I would kill Birdman. Oof. Um, watch again right now, I would watch Birdman. I'd marry The Theory of Everything. Um... And of my, because I thought it was honestly lovely. Yeah, and you're killing Dying of the Light. Or killing Dying of the Light, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so, um, is it the poot session we're doing? The poot session. <laughs> so funny. So oh. this is, this is um, 
Pete is rating the women of this week. Where where would no where against Imogen Poots yeah Imogen Poots so yeah. where would Poots what Pootsition would Poots be in um <laughs> yeah so she starts off at first obviously because there's nobody else then you <laughs> then you got the theory of everything and she slides to second because Felicity Jones looks never better yeah then there isn't really anyone oh, there's the wife in Contiki but no so she stays in second uh, then I actually really only watched Enemy because uh, I wanted to disparage Poots a bit more than I knew Marilyn the wrong was in it. <laughs> but I am going to Hathaway uh, Laurent for blondness. I don't think she looks as good as blonde. Um, so she's, the, Poots, the Pootsition stays at two. Uh, Sarah Gadon, no. No. Um, Birdman, who's in Birdman? Emma what? S- Emma Stone. What's... Mm, What's no? Um, say do for uh, Stone. Looking like a crack addict. Okay. Eva, Eva Mendes for Stone. The Mendes for Stone. <laughs> <laughs> the Mendes Martian. <laughs> yeah, oh God. And then uh, Riseborough, Riseborough, nice, but no. Uh, ditto Amy Ryan. So it's a position of two. She hasn't started too badly. Second. Is that second on the position or...? Yeah, second. The position is silver. Silver. <laughs> that was it. We're going to do it like the Olympics. And she had to negotiate a few hurdles there, so... She did. There was some tough competition there. Okay, so we're on to the Garrett gauge now. Yeah! <laughs> which is Garrett Headland in Unbroken. Um, I haven't actually thought about this, so I have to go through it. We're starting with Theory of Everything. Hmm. Eddie Redmayne's a no. You're only going to be kind to say, say do. No. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you're not going to be kind, and no, you're not going to say, say do. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Charlie Cox is close. No, not really. Too close, pretty actually. boy for you, actually. Not really. Let's say do, because mm. he's young. Mm. Things might change. Mm. Um, anyone else in theory of everything? The yeah, that's about it. Uh, Contiki had a lot of bearded um, Scandinavians. Um, I think I, I don't. I think the main guy was a bit too Lee Pace for you. <laughs> think yeah, blonde probably. Lee Pace in the least Lord of the, uh, Hobbit of ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the uh, Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> <laughs> um, dying at the light. Nicholas Cage mm. is a no. Anton Yelchin is um, mm. a no. And there's nobody else mm-hmm. in the film. Oh, the uh, terrorist. I think no. bearded Jake might actually do all right for you in Enemy. Uh, probably. I think. Uh, probably given that night because be- photo. Oh. Oh, um, no, because as well, it's very trimmed beard. It's it's long beard, but it's it's not all over the shop. It's not rescue dawn, long beard. It's it's yeah. it's manicured long beard. Well, I can't mm. say yes, so I have to mm. forego that. And Garrett's a lucky Birdman. Ed Ed Norton and his Birdman. pants. Ed Norton never looked better because he's never been more then. shirtless. And oh, actually, yes, he has, but he's never been more shirtless without Nazi uh, tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> He's never been more caddish, put it that way. <laughs> uh, 
So, I don't know, ask um, Tony it's Kay. A no. I... <laughs> oh, God. Um, Michael Keaton, Once Upon a Time, mm. maybe. And anyone else in the Male film? Male-wise. Zach Oh, Zach Galifianakis. He was he, not best he's ever been. Yeah, well, yeah, not difficult. <laughs> um, I don't think there's anyone else in the film of worth. No. So it's an easy mm. start for Garrett. I think there's going to be a lot of 1.0s for Garrett, actually. <laughs> it might be. I think Garrett is your Lizzie Olsen. <laughs> <sighs> okay, we have a website. It's moveforpodcast.com. Um, you can look at our schedule on there. You can look at any free grade we've ever given. On this podcast, not... Yeah, I was going to say not ever. <laughs> and our awards. Uh, next week, Irene's going to join us. She's going to join us to talk Golden Globe winners and Oscar nominations. Uh, predict the Oscar nominations with us. And talk about Steve Carell's really? nose. Do we have to? She's just saying, it's not just because um, um, Channing is going to be wearing a singlet. Actually, that could be Garrett a busting an issue. A gauge busting. That'd be a massive tussle, wouldn't it? Um, you'd have to Carell grapple with that. You'd Steve have to grapple Carell. with that decision, Cal. Hard, hard and long. Can we get preconceptions about Steve Carell being yeah, terrible? Yeah, he does look terrible. In that trailer, he comes yeah. across as looking particularly. He looks like um. Oh God, the worst of um, Will and Defoe in Shadow of the Vampire. I was thinking Danny DeVito. Same thing, yeah, yeah. Turns, mm. this, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Into the Woods next week, which is a rare musical. It's a musical. <laughs> you don't, you don't I know. I guessed from the trailer. All oh, right. Uh, which includes Chris Pine. Gage busting. And James Conn. Gage relaxing. <laughs> and we also have Liam Neeson's particular yeah. sex skills. It, it, it was taken too that gave birth to the right, gave, gave birth to the uh, Watson factor. That was that week with Famke and uh, Maggie Grace. And Lizzie Olsen What's in it? liberal arts. <laughs> Surely they're not going to bring out Maggie yeah, Grace well, again. They, She's about they, They're killing off Famke and uh, framing uh, Liam for the uh, murder. Oh, God. To be honest, I should have got goodwill towards this because of... I thought you were say because so. the director's surname is Megaton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it him again? Oh, Olivier. No, I just where's Marion? Olivier Maestro. <laughs> I can think of better, better Olivier's. Yeah, way. little did we all know that when um, Marion Cotillard was calling Olivier Maestro, she meant like Austin Maestro. <laughs> you piece of excrement. <laughs> Yeah, but-
bottle.